I want to talk to you further about who we're to submit to and what the Bible says about who we're to submit to. Nextly, the Bible says uh, uh, that we're that the younger are to submit to the elders. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Uh, you'll find the Bible says much about showing respect unto your elders. And that means both chronologically, uh, but especially spiritually, respecting your elders. Amen? You know, you could be 50 years old in the Lord, uh, excuse me, be 50 years old chronologically, and, and be only five in the Lord. You know, if you just got saved five years, you know, before. And it's also possible to have been born again 40 years and never developed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so uh, when the Bible says elder, there's several things that it means. I do believe that even j- just chronologically, we ought to show people respect. Because I believe, you know, that if you, if you live on the earth for 60, 70 years, I mean, you're just going to learn some things by just tripping over them. So just by experience, just by right of being, you know, experiencing life, you're going to learn some things. And younger folk need to, need to respect that. I'm glad my, my dad taught me growing up. I had my granddad and my great-granddad that were alive as I was a small boy. And my, my dad used to tell me, and just instill it, he said, now, he said, go by to your great-granddad's and sit by and listen to him. He won't be around always. Just go listen to him. Don't you do all the talking. Listen to him. He's been alive a long time. And I learned to do that. I'd just go and sit. And my, my, a lot of these folk, if they find an audience, I'm telling you what, they're just full of things. I mean, he talked about, you know, the Civil War and different things that his dad and his granddad were involved in. And I mean, he gave me a piece of history, you see. And he taught me about things that he learned from farming and, and all kind of things. And, and it's just, it's, it's so important. You know, one thing is a key key to, to relationship between younger people and older people. Uh, a lot of folk talk about the generation gap and about how that that's, an, uh, you know, uh, you can't bridge that a lot of times because it's just so much difference between ages. I don't believe that. I have different evidence, even in my own life. There's a reason why there's a generation gap. And it's not just an age gap. It's a, it's a mental gap. It's wrong thinking. It's wrong believing. A lot of times it's insubordination and rebellion in younger folk. And not only that, a lot of times it's bad attitudes in older folk. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it, it can be on both sides. For instance, I, I deal in healing school all the time. A lot of times we have some elderly people that we're working with. And I've worked with people in, just in their homes and hospitals. different. And a lot of times you, you go in to talk to people, and, and even in their home, and there's just a, a gloom cloud in their home. I'm talking about in an older person's home. And the reason it is that you go in there and you start talking and you're not talking with just a minute until they start talking about their problems. And then they start talking about their kids. And they say, you know, my kids haven't been to see me in three years. I got one girl, you know, that she's grown and she lives over in such and such place. And I guess I could just sit here and die. And they wouldn't even know it, you know. Well, no wonder they don't come see you. Are you listening? Who wants to hear that all the time? Somebody comes by to see and visit with, with a relative of theirs and they begin to immediately rake them over the coals because they hadn't been to see them regularly. And then they begin to tell them how they've suffered and all the bad things that they've gone through and how nobody cares and they're just full of bitterness and resentment 
and unbelief. And that's one reason for generation gap. Besides the rebellion and insubordination of the youth on the other side. You put both of those together, then you got generation gap. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know what you mean when you say generation gap because I, I spend a lot of time with older people as a young, as a young boy and as a teenager. I used to go up and visit with my grandmother all the time. My grandmother was in on uh, one of the first Pentecostal churches that were established there in our community. She was one of the founders and she was a Sunday school teacher there for years. Everybody knew her. She taught them in Sunday school. And she was a woman of God. She's going to be with the Lord now for just for a few years now. And uh, I used to go up there with her all the time because she had experiences in God. She'd have visions and revelations. And it was the real thing. When she was a young woman, they accused her of being a witch. Until her prophecies came to pass. And then they came and apologized. And asked her to forgive them. But I could go and ask her. And she had to, she reminded me a lot of when she'd tell stories. She'd tell them a lot of times like Brother Hagin tells stories. Same way, every time, same details, same. And I tell you, that's one sign that it's authentic. You know what I'm saying? Because spiritual things are always now. And when you start talking about them, it's just like it happened yesterday. I mean, it's just, it's real to you because it's always now. And I mean, I'd go sit and talk with her for hours. But I tell you what, she wouldn't unload on me. You know what I mean? She has her problems a lot of times, but she wouldn't tell me about all of her problems and her aches and pains and go on about her kids didn't love her and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times people were coming by to see her, to visit with her. Why? Because she wanted to know about you, how things going with you. Amen. You see, it's not just a matter of old or young. It's a matter of attitudes on both sides. Young people need to respect the elders and the elders don't need to be selfish. Are you listening? And self-centered. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a mutual thing. Anyway, the Bible says that the younger are to submit to the elders. If we had time, we'd elaborate, but I think that's enough. But one point that I do want to spend some time on this evening is the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> Go with me to Ephesians 5 if you would. I feel impressed <laughs> to spend some time on this passage. <laughs> now I assure you ladies. I'll do my best. Yes she's here. <laughs> I assure you. My wife is here. And I'm going to do my best to rightly divide the word of truth. But the Word of God does say some things about submission in the marriage. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we'll begin in verse 21. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, now notice, he did not say husbands in this verse. Right? He said wives. Now, there are two reasons why I say that. First of all, he didn't tell the husband, husband, submit to the wife. Secondly, he's not addressing the husbands with this point. He's not telling the husbands this is something that they're responsible for. You understand what I'm saying? He said, wives, submit yourselves 
unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now he says, husbands. He's not talking to the wives. Right? He's talking to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. We'll just stop there. Now, to me, it seems like a lot of folk have missed the way the Lord just dealt with the situation. He said, wives, and he said something to the wife. And he said, husbands, and he said something to the husbands. But what has happened again and again is the wife took what he said to the husband, and they thought that was their job, to see that the husband did that. And the husband took what the Lord said to the wife, and they thought that was their job, to see that the wife did what the Lord said. Husbands, it is not your job to make your wife submit. The Lord wasn't even talking to you when he said, wives, submit. Are you listening? Now, I've seen, you know, I, as, a, as, as a young boy, I went to Pentecostal church. And then later on, I went to a, a Baptist church and a Church of God church. And, and I got to see some of both sides. The Pentecostals were wild Pentecostals. The Baptists were real strict Baptists, you know. Until later on, they began to loosen up when about half of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. But I've seen folk in some circles, they, they preached on that verse and they, they, they reared back on that verse and just pressed it hard and and, and that, that, that made it sound like it was the man's responsibility to keep his wife in line. You know? And to make sure that she told the line and submitted to him. And I've seen men get a hold of some of these things and just, you know, act silly. Besides, just mess their marriage up. You know what I'm saying? I've seen men sit around in their chair and think they're going to impress. I was, I was there. And they knew I was a minister. And they thought they was going to impress me by ordering their wife around. Honey, go do this. But they didn't even say honey. They said, do this. Do this. Do that. And they looked at me like, got my house in order. Got my woman on tow. Do you? Now, I'll tell you, buddy, what you got is something that's about to explode <laughs> in your face. Now, you see, God did not tell the man to make the woman submit. That would be totally out of keeping with the type that we are. For instance, see what he's, he's talking about, the fact that there's a great mystery that the man and the woman represent Christ in the church. And it's a type. Now, Jesus is our husband, the husband of the body. Is that right? Now, we are to submit to him. Is that right? 
I mean, no question about it. He is the absolute head. We are to submit to him. But now here's the question. Does he make us submit? No. If we don't want to submit, does he force us to? No. If we don't want to submit, if we want to disobey, he will let us obey. It will cost us where our fellowship with him is concerned, but it's up to us. The, the, the submission is volitional. That's why he's not talking to the husbands and saying, husbands, make your wives submit. He's talking to the wives. Wife, you volitionally, as an act of your will, of your own free will, submit yourself to your husband. Now, we've already defined submission, right? There's a difference between submission and agreement. Is that right? Now, there's some problems in these areas. On both sides, both men and women. I mean, I was talking, I was preaching one time, uh, in, in healing school actually, and there was a man and woman that came, and they were sick, especially one of them had some serious problems. And as I was teaching, you know, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but a lot of times people don't think any, any manifestation of the Spirit are going on because there's nothing called out and, and, and drawn attention to. But a lot of times, a word of knowledge happens while somebody's teaching and preaching. I know especially in healing school because we need it over there. A lot of times I'll be teaching alone and I'll just look at somebody and I'll know something. And I'm sure that happens with the pastor in different situations that are going on in the church and all. You just look and you just know. Because that's, you know, God wants you to know so you can help folk. Not so you can, a lot of times, you know, you might know things, you don't say anything about it. You just say what you need to say and go on. And as far as anybody knows, you don't know anything. Because it's the Lord wants to help people, not embarrass people. Right? But while, while I was teaching, I just looked over at these people and I knew that this woman was very domineering and that she, so to speak, wore the pants in her house and that that was part of their problem. Did you know that? That can be part of folks' problem with problems with the kids, with health, financial situations. That can be part of the problem. You know, the Bible said in 1 Peter 3 that the, you know, that the wife should treat the husband properly and the, and the husband should treat her properly. He said that your prayers be not hindered. In other words, if your relationship is wrong, it'll hinder your prayers. And that's, that's just a Bible fact. Anyway, I taught on some things. And a lot of times, if, 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 a lot of times I don't know how other people do it, but if I know something about a situation, I won't even preach to that area. I'll look somewhere else. So they don't even, you know, to try to not be obvious. And so after a while, when I got through, this woman and this man came straight up to the pulpit. The woman came up leading. And the man was about four foot behind her, bringing up the rear. She went up and she just took the stand. and She, stood. she said, brother, that's good. I like that. A lot of times you've got to watch that. <laughs> Brother, I, I agree 100% with what you... That's right, that's right, that's right. And her husband's back in the back going... <laughs> she said, in fact, you know, I, you know, now I, I, I believe like this too, though, you know. I said, oh, here it comes. <laughs> said, you know, a uh, person asked my little girl one time, she said, you know... Uh, who wears the pants in your house? This woman was saying. Somebody asked her little girl that. She said, I just laughed and said, ha, neither one. We both, we both wear knickers. 
knickers or short pants. See, that was their problem. I said that was their problem. Now, there's been a strong move in, in Europe and in our country uh, toward uh, feminine equality, so-called. And uh, there have been some problems. There have been some overbearing, tyrannical men. No doubt about it. There have been some women that have been anything but submissive, ladylike. But that doesn't do away with the fact that there's a truth in the Bible. That a man can be a man. And a woman can be a woman. Amen. A man can be a man of love. And yet a strong man. And take his place. And a woman can be a woman. Amen. Not a servant. Not a doormat. But a woman and yet submit to her husband. And be a glorious woman. You believe that? We need to forget excesses on both sides. We need to forget the world's view and what they think and get a revelation from the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, there's some, some question in people's minds about what a lady is. I've seen some folk, you know, that they, they say, well, I'm a lady. You're supposed to treat me certain ways. And they demanded certain treatment because they were, quote, a lady. Let me tell you something. A lady is someone who knows how to be treated gracious, graciously. You understand what I'm saying? But also someone who does not demand it. If you demand special treatment, that is not ladylike. You know what I mean? A lady is somebody that can make folk feel comfortable in all realms, especially where the ministry is concerned. Sometimes you just throw a kink in things by demanding that you be treated a certain way. A lady knows how to be escorted, how to have doors open for her, how to be waited on, how to be treated graciously and wonderful. A lady also knows how in a situation to roll up her sleeves and get her hands dirty. Are you listening? It's true. For some folk to wait and say, oh, now I'm a lady. I don't do that kind of thing. You've got to do that for me. That's not ladylike. I said, that's not ladylike. And if a woman puts a lot of pressure on a man to try to make him treat her like she thinks she ought to be treated, a lot of times it just backfires. It needs to be a revelation, not just a coercion on either side. Now go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 11. Let's look at a passage of Scripture. And let's just, let's look at some things that the Word of God says about man and wife relationships. Now before you decide, you know, what you think about what I'm saying, hear the whole thing, okay? <laughs> we were in the church the other night. Some of the folk are probably here over in, in, at a church Friday night. And the deacon stood up after the service and he said, Eat the whole roll. Amen. Well, eat the whole roll before you decide. Amen. What you, before you make a judge. Eat the whole roll. Okay? You know, sometimes in, in visions, the Lord angel would bring a scroll to the prophet and say, eat the roll. Well, don't just eat part of it. Eat the whole roll. 
See, I think that's what happens. Some people eat just about a two of the roll and they got indigestion. <laughs> and it caused them real problems. Because they just bit off of something, you know. A lot of you coming in on the middle of this anyway, you know. You might want to get some of the other tapes and get the whole, eat the whole roll. First Corinthians, verse, chapter 11. First Corinthians 11. Notice verse 3. He said, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one, as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman. Now, you know, a lot of folk don't believe that. I've heard people talk in our modern feministic move. There are even some women nowadays that believe, you know, they don't, they don't really want to be married. They say, what, all I need a man for, you know, is if I want to have a child just for fertilization purposes. Oh, yeah, there's some folk believe like that, talk like that. Man, are they wrong. They don't even know the truth. They don't even know how things really are. Man is not of the woman. Man is by woman, but not of. Let me explain what I mean. Go to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Hebrews, the seventh chapter. And the ninth verse. Just to bring this point out. Hebrews 7, 9. It says, And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he, Levi, was yet in the loins of his mother. What? When Melchizedek met him. It did not say Levi was in the, in, in the womb of his mother waiting to be fertilized. <laughs> Levi was where? Before his mother ever conceived him, where was Levi? In his father. The seed is in the man. Are you listening? I just want to bring that as a point because, see, people have got such a distorted thinking in the world today about the whole situation. And God brings us back to the beginning. Now, in the beginning, God made Adam. And he made Eve as a helpmeet for him. Not as somebody just to lord it over. And as a servant of, but a helpmate, a companion, and a helper. Somebody to fellowship on his level with him. But then when sin came, God said something else about the relationship of man and woman. After the fall, the Bible said in Genesis 3.16, you don't have to turn there, but he told the woman, he said, your desire shall be to, or one translation says, subject to your husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, there's a lot of folks that say, yeah, but now that's, a, that's part of the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. No. If we've been redeemed from that, then we've also been redeemed from work and pain in childbirth. You might say, why is it like that? Because of the flesh. Because of the flesh, it is a necessary situation. 
Because you take anything, you take a church, you take a ministry, you take a family, if it does not have a head, there's going to be confusion and chaos. There's got to be a head. Amen. Somebody who has final authority in some situations. And God ordained that in the, in the, in the home, the man is the head of the home. Now you got folks that'll jump up and say, you know, well, no, 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 Brother Keith, the Bible says in Galatians 3, was it 28 or so, that there's neither male nor female in Christ. And folks stretch that too far, I'm telling you. That is true. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. In life, there is. In marriage, there is. In the home, there is. In Christ, there's not. It doesn't make a difference. As far as, I mean, as far as prayer, God will hear a woman just as quick as He will a man. Is that right? As far as authority in Jesus, I mean, you know that. But when it comes to the family unit, there is male and female. And when it comes to life in general. But there's, there's been abuses on both sides. I tell you one reason why, you know, a lot of women have not had taken their places properly. Because the man hadn't taken his. You know what I'm saying? I've talked to a lot of men and they say, well, you know, my wife does the praying. She's the spiritual one in our family. Well, buddy, you got a problem. You ought to thank God that you got a wife that prays. But that doesn't alleviate your responsibility. You have a responsibility as the man of that family to get direction from God. Amen. Now, you ought to check, you ought to, you ought to talk with your wife. And you ought to, to, to value the wisdom that God gives her, but you have a responsibility Amen. to get direction. Amen. Amen. You do, as the man. A lot of times the reason that women have become more aggressive and, and have taken hold of some more things is because it wasn't getting done. Are you listening? The man wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Somebody's got to do it. Are you listening? See, sometimes people want to say, make remarks about, you know, women pastors or, or people, women that are in, in places of authority. But I'll tell you, you don't just want to take something away from somebody. If you can't give them something better or give them something to enhance them, leave them alone. Somebody said, what do you think about women pastors? Well, from the Word of God, I think that the ideal situation. Now, don't make me say something I didn't say. Ideal situation in a pastorate is a married man. He and his wife and that has kids. Look at 1 Timothy 3. Look at Titus. Look at the, He talks about a man that's a bishop. He talks about a man with a wife, a man that, that takes care of his kids. Because Why? Because we're going to talk about this a little bit more in our next session. Because the same principles that make a successful father make a successful pastor. I mean, the Bible teaches that. A single man, to me, wouldn't be the ideal pastor. But now a lot of times, you know, he's doing a good work. And nobody else is doing the work, so you don't mess with him. You understand what I'm saying? A single woman, I don't think would be the ideal situation. But a lot of times she's doing a good work. 
And nobody else is pulling that. Nobody. A lot of times the men just stood around, hum, hawed, and looked at each other and said, well, we just let it go. And, and she had something on her heart. She said, no. And she grabbed it. Are you listening? And saved it. Are you listening? I think the ideal situation is that a man and a woman that work together. You understand what I'm saying? Now notice what he said. He goes on to say here, Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's verse 9, 1 Corinthians 11. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power or authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Now he's, you know, people have gotten into a lot of squabbles about coverings. But how many know that we live in, we live in a new covenant where we walk in the spirit of things, not just the physical act? I mean, a woman could have a covering over her head and be just as full as rebellion as could be. Is that right? I mean, putting a scarf over her head is not going to make her meek and quiet. Is that right? But did, how many know that there, there is a demeanor, there, there is an attitude that you can have and portray in everything that you do? Now, I hope you don't, I hope you don't think that I'm, that I'm being one-sided on this thing because I'm going to, as soon as I get through establishing this, I'm going to turn right around and apply these things to all the men. Because they do apply in a sense. You may have to come back next time to find out what that means. But they do apply to the men in a sense, in a different capacity. Go with me to 1 Timothy, the second chapter, please. I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I've had people ask me questions about this. and I've heard people rail on lady ministers about this. I want to look at it. 1 Timothy, the second chapter and the eighth verse. 1 Timothy 2, 8. Says, I will therefore that men pray. Now what's those next two words? Everywhere. Notice he didn't say in the church house. Where is he talking about? Everywhere. I will that men pray everywhere. Everybody say that again. Everywhere. So he's not just talking about in church, right? This is, this, he's not limiting this to church. Everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, this is connected, that women adorn themselves. Now, I might say where. If I said where, where would you say? Context is still, you know, from the preceding verse. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Notice that didn't say ugly apparel. How many know there's a difference between modest and ugly? If you don't, look it up in the dictionary. Bless some people's hearts. They said, the Bible said modest. Modest. Don't buy that expensive stuff. They need to look at the Bible again. And some of these folk that are so domineering and want to keep women, you know, as they say, barefoot and pregnant in their place at home. And then next thing you know, out of their mouth, they'll say, you know, just like the Proverbs 31, virtuous woman. Friend, you better read that passage again. That woman was a mover and a shaker. 
she's into real estate. She sees a, a, a passage, a piece of land, and she buys it. She has employees that work under her. Are you listening? She's in the fabric business. She's in the clothing market. Are you listening? And not only that, but she has her household together. Her kids are ready to go every day. Everything is together. Her man is taken care of. This woman is the Proverbs 31 woman. Ugly apparel? Are you kidding? Fine linen. Purple. Glory to God. And it said her man is known in the gates. He looks nice. She checks him out before he leaves. And says, yes. Looking good. Where do people get these ideas? Not from the Bible. About some, about the woman looking bedraggled and, you know, can't even make a purchase outside of her husband's, you know, scrutinizing everything. No. That's part of the way that a woman can be a tremendous help to the man. Amen. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean arrogant and pushy either, though, does it? Because the Bible says the thing that's of great price before the Lord is meek and a quiet spirit. But you know, now I didn't write this now. But repeatedly in the Bible, in the New Testament, it refers to women not talking too much. On several occasions, it talks about women not talking too much. Meek and what? Quiet. See, that's one reference. Notice this passage as we go on. He said, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, what he's simply saying, he's not, he's not saying it's a sin to wear nice things. He's just saying, like First Peter 3 says, that it's the inward adornment that's the, that's the key, not the outward. Spend all your time on the outside and don't, you know, develop a meek and quiet spirit, then you're not really beautiful. Real beauty starts on the inside, doesn't it? How many know that there's some people, they look real good from a distance. But you get to know them, and they're not pretty. What's on the inside of them mars their looks. In fact, Solomon put it like this. A beautiful woman without discretion is like a jewel of gold in a swine snout. What is that? A jewel of gold in a pig's nose. What good is that? It's, it's a waste, right? The pig could care less. And it certainly doesn't help his looks. That means that, you know, a, a woman that is beautiful and shapely and attractive and yet has no discretion and wisdom and has no inner beauty, that outward beauty is a waste. That's what he's saying. Now notice, he goes on to say, verse 11, let the woman learn. Now, where, where, has he changed context yet? Has he said, has he moved all this into the church house yet? Not a word about that. Let the woman learn in silence 
Now see, there's again a reference to women being quiet. In all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Now see, right here, people grab that verse and they immediately put it in the church context. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I think folk have done with this passage of Scripture. They immediately grab it and they say, see, now it's wrong for a woman to teach in the church. A woman is not supposed to teach in the church. That is not what he said. You missed the whole point. He said, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, for I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Then immediately he brings up a husband and wife situation. Now see, folk have, folk have used that passage and others, you know, that they misinterpreted to, to destroy a lot of women ministers' confidence and keep them out of the pulpit and keep them out of the ministry that God had for them. Because it's all the Bible said that God, you know, Paul said by the Holy Ghost that, you know, I suffer not a woman to teach. And that's plain. That means a woman can't teach. No, you got to rightly divide the Word of God. You got to look at the whole context. You got to take everything into consideration that He's saying. The Bible also said in the last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy and He'd pour out of His Spirit on all flesh. Amen. We have examples in the Bible, several women that Paul referred to that were helpers of him in the ministry. Amen. Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and both of them ministered to him. Didn't say one of them did. Amen. No, that's not what that passage is saying at all. What is it saying? I suffer, you know, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Because I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man. For, you know, the man was first formed. Adam and then Eve. He's, still, he's talking about it. Sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians 11, doesn't it? A lot like Genesis 3. Let me tell you what he's talking about. I've seen this before and know of situations similar. I know of situations where ministers are actually preaching in the pulpit. And they get on something and their wife jumps up in the, in the, on the front row and says, no, 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 honey, that's not right. Now that's not right. Now let me tell you how it is. That's what that's talking about. I've been talking with people before, husbands and wives, and they're talking long, and the wife just called the husband down. No! No, now you just be quiet. Just be quiet. Let me tell. Let me tell you. That's what that's talking about. That is usurping authority over the man and teaching the man. Are you listening? Now see, now there's nothing wrong with your wife helping you out. But how many know there's also a big difference in how you say something? Your whole attitude, your whole approach. I mean, boy, my wife helps me out all the time. Don't you misunderstand me. A lot of times I'll ask her, I'll say, what, what about this? But she doesn't just run over me. And she doesn't, when I'm saying so, she doesn't just look at me and say, Shh, hush, let me tell you. That would hurt our fellowship. You know what I'm saying. 
Now, my wife and I minister together all the time, and the Lord uses her, uses her all the time, uses her in the gifts. And I respect her. And when God gives her something, I respect that. I recognize the Holy Ghost. Whether it's my wife or it's not my wife. But I tell you also, if she gets something in the Holy Ghost, she doesn't just run up and grab the mic away from me. I don't like mic grabbers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know sometimes people get things, you know, stirring in them and they don't know what to do and they think about disobeying God and they say, well, no, I'm going to obey. And then a lot of times when they just break and run, grab a mic. And you can understand that. But it's not proper spiritual etiquette. I told, I've told my wife and, and I, we both practice it. If we're somewhere and we get something, we ask the pastor. We don't just take off. Now, if we work with folk for, you know, several times and they know us and they just say, hey, whatever God gives you, you just, you know, just go with it and they give us freedom, then that's a little different. But even if you got something strong, you know, we'll say, you know, is it all right if we do this? And if he says, no, let's wait, then we do. Somebody said, and disobey the Holy Ghost? If the Holy Ghost told me to do something and the pastor of the church told me not to do it in his church, I wouldn't do it. Somebody said you'd disobey the Holy Ghost. It wouldn't be a matter of disobeying the Holy Ghost. It's the pastor's responsibility then. You understand what I'm saying? No, sir. No, sir. I don't care how much I thought it was God. And I know the voice of God. And I know if he, if I know if it was him, if I knew it was God, and the pastor said, no, not in my church, you don't, I wouldn't do it. No, sir. You got some folks saying, well, bless God, I'm going to obey God whether or not. That's insubordination. Are you listening? And that, that grieves the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can't work in that kind of atmosphere. My wife and I, we work some things. And I tell her, I say, now, now, if you got something, let me know. You know, just, you know, hold up your hand or something or, or let me know. Or, or start that way or something and, and let me know. And, you know, we'll work it out. If, if you know, if I sense that there might need to wait a little bit on it or whatever, or if it's a good time right then, we'll work together on it. Somebody say, well, you ought to know the Holy Ghost. You ought to just know when she's got something. That's, uh, that's putting too much on one individual. Are you listening? That, that is. I've worked with several folk in these areas, and it's, and it's too much. Actually, did you know it can be pride? To sit there, and God's got something that He's dealing with you to do, and you're going, all right, well, if they call me out and recognize me properly, I'll do it. But if not, I'm not going to do it. Now, that could be a right attitude. It could be pride. It could be waiting until you get recognized. I'm telling you, a lot of times, you know, I don't care who you are. A lot of times, you got a sense of something in your spirit, but you don't know the specifics of it. And a lot of times, if somebody's got something, you'll have a witness. If somebody says, you know, well, I, I got a little something in my heart. And if it's right, the person in charge will have a witness to it. Now, if you don't have a witness to it, don't mess with it. Brother Hagin says this all the time. He says, I go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as by what he does say. Just because somebody holds up their hand and says, I got something, that doesn't mean you let them give it out. You may say, well, I won't know whether it's God or not until they do. Wrong. Mm -mm. 
If you're in charge and the Lord quickens you, then it, then go with it. If you have no quickening, then just tell them to wait. Amen. That's right. You don't have to go through a process of elimination with everybody that holds up their hand. But if you've got a quickening, you go with that. But now, you know, we talked earlier about, just say, just say with, with the pastor here. We might go out on, in the picnic here area when we have our annual picnic and we might talk and, and have fun and pastor plays ball with, with, with different folk and, and just, you know, have good fellowship. And you can have that kind of relationship. But then, when you get into the church house and it's service time, it's yes, sir, pastor. You understand? I mean, it can be more of a buddy-buddy type situation in some, some areas, but then you gotta, you got to know how to make that transition. Don't you? Well, the same thing is true with husbands and wives. And a lot of folk have trouble making that transition. Let's say, you know, let's say that, the, that God uses the woman. She has the anointing on her and she ministers in a service. But now when the service is over, you've got to make that transition. You know what I'm saying? Now my wife works in, a, in some offices and she has several people working under her and she has for several years. And she, get, she gets used to, you know, giving orders. And, uh, and that's fine. She's the kind of person, you want something done, tell her, and it's done, probably before you can get out of the room. You just, you know, she likes it like that. And that, that's, there's some good qualities to that. And so she gets used to all day telling this one, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. Sometimes she works with people that, where, where their money's concerned. And how many people can get real ugly where their money's concerned? <laughs> and so she has to be a little brisk and a little abrupt. And deal with that. But then sometimes when she comes home, she rolls in the door and she looks at me and she goes, hmm, hmm. And I, and I go, oh, you're home, you're home. Hi. Hello. You're home now. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible said, let's get back to the type. The Bible said in Mark 10, Jesus said, I did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. That means serve and give my life a ransom for many. Jesus, the head of the church, serves his bride. Is that right? I mean, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Is it scriptural for the husband to serve his wife? Certainly. But the man is still the head. There's nothing at all wrong with the man serving the wife in some capacities and ministering to her. Amen. See, a lot of folk don't understand. They think that headship means privilege. When they think head, they think privilege. And they think the man's the head of the home. Glory to God. You come to the door and your dog and your wife and your kids meet you with your slippers and your paper and they escort you to your chair and you sit there and hallelujah. <laughs> Whatever you want is at your fingertips. If that's all you know about being the head, then uh, no wonder your wife doesn't submit to you. Are you listening? Besides that, it's no wonder that so many kids and wives are hesitant about submitting to their man 
in their home? Because every time he comes out and says, well, let's do this. Last five times he said it, they all wound up in the ditch together. It was an off-the-wall idea. You know what I'm saying? And after several times of that, when Daddy comes out and says, let's do this, everybody goes, oh, no, not again. But I tell you this, if Daddy will be a spiritual man, I don't mean you have to pray six hours a day. I don't mean you have to be a preacher. I just mean before you make a move, you go to the Lord. You seek the Lord. You get direction. And you get sure. And then when you come out and you say, well, I've heard from the Lord. And after the last several times you've done that, it was God. And God prospered it and blessed it and prospered the whole family. After a few times of that, when Daddy comes out and says, I've heard from the Lord. This is what we need to do. Everybody goes, we're with you. You let us write last several times. We're with you. Amen. So, I mean, there's two sides to this, isn't it? There's more, you know, headship is more responsibility than it is privilege. If you just think head and think privilege, you're not qualified properly to be the head. You should see responsibility to fulfill and to keep that responsibility. Can you say amen? amen. Well, the Bible is, is very clear that God intended that the man be the head of the home. But now, in any situation, and others, others that we're going to talk about, the whole structure of authority in God operates on the, the principle of love. Not tyranny. Like I said, it's not the man's job to make the wife submit. That's out of keeping with the type. You, you are to lead your family in God in type of how Jesus the head leads his church. And that's in love. And listen, you can't ask a lot out of people if you're not willing to put a lot into them. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be willing to put something into folk. And it, it just makes me hurt inside to see so many relationships the way they are. The husbands, there's a standoff, you know. The husbands say, well, if you'd submit to me, I'd love you. And then she says, well, if you'd love me, I'd submit to you. they got a standoff. The biggest problem in marriage is not the devil. It's selfishness. There'd be no place for the devil if folk wasn't selfish. People have a stand-up and they say, give me what I need. Another person that says, give me what I need. And people wind up in the divorce court all the time. Why? Because, well, they don't meet my needs. They don't give me what I need. Well, I'm not getting what I need out of this relationship. That's selfish. Even though it's a legitimate need, even though it's something that God intends for you to have fulfilled, that is not the way to get it. How do you get it? Well, if both are saying, give me, give me, there's nothing being given, so there's nothing to get. Both have to go into the relationship giving. The husband has to make up his mind, I'm going to love my wife. I don't care how she acts. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is an act. You might say, well, I can't be a hypocrite. I can't. Tell them I love them and act like I do when I don't. 
Well, then you, you can't obey God then. That's what the Lord told you to do. And if we just learn how to use our faith in the areas, these areas, like we use it in other areas. We go around all the time and call our bodies healed and, and call our finances met, call our bills paid, calling those things which be not as though they were. Boy, if folk could learn how to do that where their marriage is concerned. People, let's say a couple that had no feelings for each other. If they were Christians, you say, well, Christians can get to that place? You better believe it. If they could fix it, if they just knew how to act in faith and love. If the husband would ride down the road saying, I love my wife. I love my wife. His head says, no, you don't. You say, shut up. I love my wife. I love my wife. Faith comes by hearing. Are you listening? And if the wife would walk around the house or in her place of business or ride in her car and say, I love my husband, I respect to him. I respect him and I submit to him. And her head says, that's love. You don't respect him. You say, shut up. I love my husband. I respect him. I submit to him. Say it over and over and over and over and over again till it just reverberates through your being. And then act like you do, whether you feel like it or not. That'd keep the devil out. It'd give the Holy Ghost a chance to work. And things would begin to blossom and flourish. I don't care where you're at in your relationship. You can have more feelings than you have ever had in your entire relationship. I'm talking about more than you had when you were dating. More than you had when you got engaged. More than you've ever had if you know what to do. There are some keys. If I had time to go into it, there are some keys that women can do that will draw affection out of a man. Are you listening? There's some things that a man can do that will cause the woman to respect him and admire him. Amen. They work off of each other if you learn how to do them properly. And I'm telling you, I believe if if we'll walk with what God will give us in this year and the next and in the years to come, we can rise up to some relationships and marriage that people only thought were fairy tale. They, they thought, oh, that's not real life. You can't have a, a marriage like that. That's what you think. In God, all things are possible to him that believeth. Amen? I'm telling you, there are some things that we can come into where our marriage relationships are concerned that are absolutely heavenly. Absolutely godly. And it'll speak a message loud and clear to everybody that is, that is watching. When they see that wife and the way she respects her man and the way she acts toward him, they'll say, my, my, my. That's how the church cares about the Lord Jesus and respects and submits to him. When they see the way that husband treats that wife and loves her and respects her and treats her so gloriously and how that he views her as his glory. Amen is what the Bible says. That's my glory. See, if men believed that, they wouldn't try to make their wife a doormat. They wouldn't want her looking bedraggled. They wouldn't want her feeling, you know, have a poor self-image because that's the glory of the man. And that's, that's a type of the glorious church. And people would see what kind of Savior we have in every husband in the church. Glory! Hallelujah! Stand up if you would. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. You realize that I'm sure people have got all kind of questions. What about this or what about... There's no way you can cover everything in one or two sessions. 
But we just wanted to touch on some principles and the spirit of some things. It's not mechanical anyway. It's the spirit of it that you get a hold of. Amen? And good marriages and relationships don't just happen. You've got to work at them. And you've got to crucify your flesh. Minister to each other. Did you know, husbands, when you're ministering to your wives, you're ministering to the Lord? Wives, when you're ministering to your husbands, you're ministering to the Lord? Are they or are they not part of the body of Christ? Are they not part of Christ? Then you're ministering to the Lord's body and to Him when you minister to them. And actually, you're ministering to yourself too. I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, Father I, purpose I purpose in my heart, in my heart to, be the kind of person, to be the kind of person, be the man, to be the, to be the, woman, to be the woman that you've ordained us to be, ordained us to, be. To, have the marriages, to have the marriages, to have the ministries, to, have the ministries, to be the church, to be the church that, you've us to be. that you've ordained us to be. No demons in hell, no demons in hell can deceive us and hold us back. We refuse to believe lies. We refuse to be like the world. We are rising up. We are coming into greater revelation, greater understanding, greater power and glory to the glory of God. O oh Lord, be glorified. In our marriages, in our homes, in our church, in your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.